Hello again, and welcome to Knowing God with Heart and Mind, the virtual church classroom podcast presented each week by Shiloh United Methodist Church in Jasper, Indiana, and hosted by yours truly, Pastor Dan, and my daughter, Bethany. Each week, we study the Bible together with you with the goal of knowing God's heart and mind and with all of our own heart and mind. Our hope is that through this virtual Bible study, you will be able to participate more completely in the benefits of an active involvement in a church community. We genuinely hope that you will be served by this offering, but we also really hope that you will not settle for this alone. So please seek and join a church community that feels like the home and family of faith that God has in mind for you. This is episode 18 of the Revelation Bible Study, and uh, it comes about a week later than intended. Uh, so before we go into prayer, I just want to let you know that that uh, my son had, uh, at the time of our recordings, had had some serious health problems, and, uh, and then I uh, went in for a scheduled surgery to repair my messed up shoulder and uh, it took me a little longer to get over that than I thought it would. So last week I pretty much did church and then took a break for the remainder of the day that I typically record these with Bethany. So, so we're about a week behind, but uh, we're still with it. And uh, here we are again in front of the throne of God's grace to worship for a moment before we go into the study of the word. And uh, our psalm reading this morning is uh, this morning i just came from church can you tell uh this uh, psalm reading for today for this podcast is uh, psalm 19 it's uh, for the director of music a psalm of david the heavens declare the glory of god and the skies proclaim the work of his hands day after day they pour forth speech night after night they reveal god they have no speech they use no words, yet their voices go out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world in the heavens. God has pitched a tent for the sun. In its, uh, it is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. There are more precious, they are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned. In keeping them there is a great reward, but who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from wit willful sins. May thy, excuse me, may they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. 
May these words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they teach. There is no place, nowhere on earth, where their voice cannot God, we come today, as always, with the same spirit of David, seeking to bring glory to you with our thoughts, with our hearts and minds, that is. We don't want to, we don't want to enter into this Bible study for vain purposes, to, to prove or disprove something for our own sake, but simply to know you with our heart and mind. And we listen to David, knowing that he was a many-faceted man with flaws and and great weaknesses and yet you called him your dear friend you called him a man after your own heart and we believe it's probably best summed up in the psalm we just read because here is a man whose heart's desire was to please you and to love you and to honor you and and this speaks volumes for us about the heart that is is destined to be in alignment with yours and so lord help us to have our hearts in alignment with you even as we come today from many different conditions in our lives and many different situations, wherever we're listening, however we're joining in this study, let us be one body united with the one Holy Spirit, the Father, and of course, the one in whose name we pray, our Son and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. back in the uh, Bible study mode again and uh, I am sitting next to my beautiful daughter Bethany and uh, Irma the eschatologist was in here a second ago but she's left so apparently she's not that interested in this topic uh, so it's the two of us now back at it again after kind of a hiatus and a short one uh, yeah I had explained a few seconds ago in the worship portion of the recording that I've been knocked out with this shoulder surgery, and then we had some drama with our, our with Nathan, my mm -hmm. my son, your brother, and uh, so we've, and then you've had your bout with the poison ivy or something, and and taking Benadryl and stuff. So yeah. So 
the, the Sinkhorns just had to stop Bible study and, and stop anything extra for a little get while. well. Yeah, but that's okay. And uh, so we, we appreciate your forgiveness and grace. And uh, so today we are at Revelation chapter 7. This is episode 18 of uh, Knowing God with Heart and Mind, the Revelation Bible Study. And uh, just by way of review, we've reached a point right now at the beginning of chapter 7 where the Lamb has received the scroll, but the scroll isn't given to him until all 24 of the elders are in place and they have placed their crowns on the glassy sea. And when the 24 elders are in place at the launch of the final battle or whatever you want to call it, the revelation begins, uh, the, that is the, the judgment begins as revealed to Jesus and then transmitted to John by Jesus. At that point where all of this stuff starts to happen, like to really break loose, the 24 elders are sitting on their thrones. They've put their crowns down. They're worshiping Jesus, the lamb, saying, you're the only one that's worthy to carry this out. The seven lampstands are present. And they represent the church Mm -hmm. or the body of Christ. And there are also... Uh, in uh, heaven uh, or no I'm sorry and, and so so basically we have the 24 elders and the, the lampstands representing the church so this is this is an allusion to what is often called the rapture so we kind of think this is a strong indication that the church gets taken out before the real nasty things start to begin and uh, we certainly hope so so because the lampstands are there we're saying that that since they represent the church, the church is there before the seals start popping. Right. That's that's the impression one gets Good. reading this. And it's certainly the most desirable. Um, and, and I don't mean to be flippant. I'm just saying, uh, what else can I say? When you start hearing all this stuff coming down, yeah, you kind of want to be glad that it's uh, apparent that the church is already in the presence of God before this happens. Mm-hmm. So... Then as the tribulation begins, it's because those seals have popped, and we, we read about the seals last time. and uh, Almost all of them. Almost all of them. And now, at the beginning of the tribulation, we see that uh, the great day of the wrath of the Lamb uh, has is come, and who shall be able to stand against it? We see that... Uh, uh, in the voice of, of the seventh angel in those days uh, when he shall begin to sound the mystery of God should be finished and thy wrath has come. And so there's all kinds of indications uh, that, that it's underway, you know, that this thing is happening after those seals start going. And I think that chapter seven starts to answer who can stand against. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Since that's where we're headed. So so this event that is marked by the opening of those seals is the day of the Lord. Um, it's mentioned in Old Testament books uh, 20 times and uh, in the New Testament three times. And it's called the day of God or the day of wrath, the day of the Lord's wrath, the day of darkness. They all refer to the same thing. And, uh, and of course, we have that heptatic again. So we've got the seven seals on the scroll. We've seen six of them opened, right? Mm-hmm. 
And now we are... And we have to wait a little while for the seventh one because we've got to talk about some stuff before we get to it. Right, right. Because there's kind of a interesting break in in the structure of the book, I think. Right. Good thought. Good thought. Um, just a little more uh, sort of setting the stage. We... we uh, the, Revel, uh, the, the book of Revelation tells us the tribulation story, and that's the part we're really getting into right now. So this, this Revelation study has really transitioned into tribulation time. And uh, so now it's time to start looking for the things that we were warned of, the false Christs, mm -hmm. the wars, the famines, the death, the martyrs, the global upheaval. All those things that were... In those first six seals that started popping. Yeah. And so that's kind of setting the stage then. It's time to look at uh, Revelation 7. And uh, I tell you what, would you read that first part there, chapter 7, starting at 1, and then go all the way down to the, the last tribe of Benjamin there? Okay. After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth holding back the four winds of the earth to prevent any wind from blowing on the land or on the sea or on any tree. Then I saw another angel coming up from the east, having the seal of the living God. He called out in a loud voice to the four angels who had been given the power to harm the land and the sea. Do not harm the land or the sea or the trees until we put a seal on the foreheads of the servants of our God. Then I heard the number of those who were sealed. 144,000 from all the tribes of Israel. From the tribe of Judah, 12,000 were sealed. From the tribe of Reuben, 12,000. From the tribe of Gad, 12,000. From the tribe of Asher, 12,000. From the tribe of Naphtali, 12,000. From the tribe of Manasseh, 12,000. From the tribe of Simeon, 12,000. From the tribe of Levi, 12,000. From the tribe of Issachar, 12,000. From the tribe of Zebulun, 12,000. From the tribe of Joseph, 12,000, and from the tribe of Benjamin, 12,000. Okay, so just going backwards from what you just finished reading, who would these people appear to be? Israelites. Yeah. It sounds like a description of Israel and Israelites and Jews. And, you know, I really don't understand how some para-Christian religions in our country have come to the conclusion that the 144,000 are in fact the only ones who are going to get saved. Uh, and then there are other people who don't think that that's Israel because somehow they've twisted the Bible into making it say that we're not supposed to feel good about Israel at all because Israel is somehow guilty of Jesus's death and all this. There's some really cruddy, stupid We're stuff out there. We're all guilty of Jesus's death. We That's are. Dumb. Everyone who ever sinned against God is responsible for Jesus's death. The reality is we are supposed to be bound to Israel. And this passage right here is probably one of the strongest indications because God has not forgotten Israel. Israel's still part of the plan all the way down to the end. And the Jews are still going to be redeemed. The only difference is, is is their part in it and how it ends up going down. And that's what we're going to begin to see here. So that's the first thing that I see. And I, I don't mean to in any way be flippant. What I, what I really want to say is, is that, that to me, this isn't really open for a lot of debate. Those 12 tribes containing 12,000 of each are Israel. 
And Here's so who are the 144,000? Israel. I have questions, though. All right, I ask. First question, 144,000, is that a literal number? Like only 12,000 from each tribe? Or is it just a representative number saying, you know, does that make sense? It does, but what do you do with a question like that? <laughs> I just ask it. I think you literally, I, I know that this may not be real palatable, but I'm going to say you just have to assume that that's exactly what it means. Uh, assuming that the scriptures have been adequately translated through to our time, it is referring to 144,000 okay. people. Well, then this, this is where my next question comes in then. Because when I read that, I don't see all 12 tribes on there. Not uh -huh. all 12 tribes yeah. are on there. And then it mentions the tribe of Joseph, which was never technically a tribe because it was the half tribe of Eph what Ephraim and right. Manasseh, right? Yeah. And Dan's not mentioned at all. Yeah. And there are some significant people from the Bible who I would imagine are in heaven that were descended from tribes that aren't mentioned here. So, so I guess what, what could that mean? I, that's why I'm talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm just questioning. Like it's not the twelve tribes that we're accustomed to. Two are left out, basically, with the addition of Joseph, which I guess Joseph could encompass Ephraim, but like Dan's totally left out. And yeah, I don't know. I'm, no, I'm with you. I'm just looking at my notes about that <laughs> and. And uh, you were referring to the the dispensation, or what? That's not the word I'm looking for. The the uh, distribution of the lands, and uh, uh, yeah, you know, even in my notes it says. So what about the tribe of Dan? What about the tribe of Ephraim? Yeah. Um, and and what I see here is that the tribe through which idolatry entered the land is Dan. So so Dan, if you look at uh, Leviticus 24, verses 10 to 16, um, and Judges 18, you see that the tribe of Dan is responsible for bringing uh, the pagan idolatry back into the land. And you got to think in terms of, of the Exodus and especially Jeremiah, where we see Jeremiah, Joshua, where we see the establishment of the theocracy in the promised land and you know they were fine until they started dabbling with this other stuff uh, it seems that even with God's absolute authority over them and there's no doubt that God's power was present in profound and unbelievable ways and yet somehow they still managed to try to hang on to some of the gods of these people like I don't know why their faith in God could be so easily distorted but mm -hmm. so according to my notes uh, the uh, the the reason that the uh, tribe of Dan is not in this list is because in, in essentially they are cursed. The book of Jeremiah, chapter eight, verse sixteen, basically describes them as the cursed tribe of idolaters. And then with the uh, tribe of Ephraim, uh, that's Joseph, and uh, Joseph equals. Manasseh and Ephraim and so Ephraim was basically uh, the one according to the notes here in the book of Hosea apparently Ephraim was associated with 
Jeroboam's idolatry, and Jeroboam is one of the uh, the instigators in the case of the tribe of Dan's idolatry. So, uh, if you read First Kings, verse twelve, uh, or First Kings twelve, I mean, verses twenty-eight to thirty, um, Jeroboam's tribe, which of Dan, is responsible for this idolatry that led to this curse. And apparently Ephraim's tribe also fell into this with them. And so this particular commentator thinks that the reason they're left out is because they had been cursed way back in uh, the, uh, in the, I'm looking here at, at Jeremiah again. Now, what does that mean in, let, assuming this happens, you know, assuming that right after we finish recording this, we're raptured away, and, uh, and all the tribulation breaks down. What are these people? Who are these people? Um, there's a lot of interesting uh, stuff going on in Jerusalem and Israel right now. Um, there are people who are Jewish who are just as eager for the coming of the Messiah as any Christian ever was. And they're working very hard to make the conditions right for the return of the Messiah, or for the coming of the Messiah, I should say. And, you know, when we visited there, there were places we went where they had already created some of the implements that would be used in the temple. There's a menorah there, this gigantic golden menorah, menorah we uh, saw down in the, uh, um, I just went blank, the Cardo, down along the Cardo or the marketplace, they, they have this thing. And, uh, um, there are people who have been breeding uh, cattle because they're trying to create the perfect red heifer. Uh, there are people, part of the reason, like, you know, you hear about the, and it's, it's in the news right now because they're fighting down in Gaza and, and on the borders. One of the reasons that there's conflict in Israel right now is because there's a certain sect of Jews who are so eager to see Messiah come, they think the only way this is going to happen is if they occupy the biblical lands that were once assigned to them in the the book of exodus and in the in the promise uh promised land so about the time they divvied all up and crossed the jordan and began to take possession of the land uh that's the road map these people are using and that's the map of israel that they think will bring about the return or the coming of the messiah i keep wanting to say return because i'm a christian but um so so these people are there trying to make the things the conditions right for messiah to come uh, so, you know, what tribe do you suppose they're from? Just, just, and I mean, we're not speaking authoritatively here, but what's your first guess? They're going to be like Levites. They're going to be the, the Hasidic Jews mm -hmm. or whatever you want to call them. The, they're the one, they're the really zealous, you know, of, of all the people groups who call themselves Israelites or Jews who live in the Holy Land today. There's only one sect that has been, uh, deliberately studied and checked to verify that they are in fact descendants of the tribe of Levi and that's because they're the only ones that are excused from military service for mm -hmm. example so Israeli law requires all young men and young women to go into the military for a time and uh, and yet the one group that is excluded from that expectation is technically the Levites so they understand that you, um, 
you know, the, the, and, and I'm, I'm trying to say something that, that makes sense without saying something that is definitely not true. It, it would be wrong to have a really simple-minded explanation of or understanding of Israel's government today. It's complex, it's modern, you know, but at the heart of it all is a desire to be the country that God will honor and protect and be, you know, they, they really do. Um, they shouldn't exist if it wasn't for the hand of God. And that's pretty much even in the most liberal-minded person in Israel mm -hmm. who isn't particularly biblically scholarly and doesn't, you know, there are people over there who call themselves Jews who live there. There are people in this country who call themselves Jews who are anything but, you know, they, they will even call themselves Jews and then say they're atheists. And there are people like that in Israel too. So what they're really saying is that, that, that they identify with, some sort of physical trait that makes them Jewish. You know, they think that in their ethnicity, they're Jewish. They're descended from Jewish grandparents and grand, great grandparents and so forth. And, and I don't, I'm not mocking that or disagreeing with that, but it all comes back to this. If the tribulation begins tomorrow, who are these 144,000 going to really be? And my guess is that the 144,000 is a little bit like the seven churches and the seven lamps. It's, both literal and figurative, that it's literally going to be certain people, but it's also going to be certain kinds of people. So in the same way the church was described metaphorically and literally, because there literally were seven churches that Jesus wrote letters to, there literally were those churches, and then we, and we had a great time studying those. I think in this case we're looking at the same thing. We're looking at literally these tribes and that there will be those who are in it because of their their you know literal connection to that like like there are people over there who can self-identify as members of a certain tribe historically speaking and they can do it with as much justification as i guess is needed over there otherwise they wouldn't get out of military service if they claim to be levites um but on the other hand, there are metaphoric descriptions here. And so, like you asked about Dan and Ephraim, if Dan and Ephraim are associated with the apostasy and the pagan idolatry and the curse of God, then maybe it isn't referring to people who are descended from Dan and Ephraim to this day, as much as it's saying there are people out there who call themselves Jews, but they also call themselves atheists. That's what I'm saying. Right? You know... But I think it, it says, was important to flesh it out. It says 144,000 from all the tribes. Which makes me think that even though they're not listed, like like you just said, I don't yeah. think everyone descended from Dan now is... Just automatically cursed. Out. Yeah. 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 And and so, I yeah, I think... And, and it, in my mind, the best way to read scripture, especially these more mysterious passages is start by taking it literally, which, you know, you've heard me say for years, you know, first thing you do when you go make your first pass through scriptures is read it and see what it says and imagine how it would work if it meant exactly what it said and said exactly what it meant, because it probably does. But then sometimes you make a second pass and you see some other possibilities. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the way this one reads, like the church and the lampstand, you mm -hmm. know, it's, it's both and. Um, so that's pretty good stuff, though. And so at the moment when it's heaven, all the fireworks are going off and they're praising Jesus because he's about to go off to war, 
you know, I, I mean, I'm, I really, you know, I even played the Hallelujah Chorus in the recording and everything, but really all I was trying to imagine was, is uh, there's nothing human that can even remotely come close to this, but there are things humans do all the time that this should remind us of. Uh, you know, there's uh, the, the, all of the troops are embarking on the ship and getting ready to go over to, like I've been reading a lot from World War One lately, you know, they all get on the ship and everybody comes down to the dock and the general makes a speech and everybody cheers and the band plays and the horn on the boat blows and off they go to to fight the enemy, you know, and, and it's, it is a little like that, you know. So we've got this unparalleled celebration in the throne room of God about Jesus breaking the seals and starting the tribulation, the judgment of God. And then all of a sudden we switch gears and go to this scene. Well, I kind of, it's not humorous, but I kind of, the way my brain works, I'm picturing these angels on the four corners of the earth holding back the winds and they're, it looks like they're getting ready to unleash hell, literally. And this other angel shows up and is like, whoa, 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 stop, wait, we forgot yeah. something, not really forgot, but we got to do something first. And then he's like, we, we, we got to go mark everybody yeah. that's in this group. And then you can do whatever you want. Let go. Like, it just, I don't know. Well, I mean, I, I sort of, in and my mind, I picture a global-sized hurricane. Right. Like, 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 like the eye of the hurricane is the part that the angels are holding, you know, the storm back. So in the midst of this eye of this in unprecedented storm of, of all human history. Yeah. There's this moment when before they let it go, and I love that because this is another way. This is one of the ways that Revelation teaches us so much about the times we're living in. And and most people tend to think of Revelation as a book about the future, but it's really so much. There's so much in here about now. Um, I mean, this is what heaven's throne room is like now. You know, this is this is the authority and power God has over creation now. Mm -hmm. God can appoint, you know, wonder which angels he sent to hold back the winds with, you know, if it only took four of them to hold back the winds, what kind of angels are these? They're, they're pretty the tough. Baddest. You know, they are pretty tough. And, uh, and, and then, you know, if it's literal, and I'm not sure it is in this case, but I just said, take it literally first. wonder what the world would be like. Uh, I just wonder what Jasper, Indiana would be like if there was no wind. Plus, I, like, they're holding back the wind, and it's not like I picture silence yeah. like no wind nothing's moving like it's not moving through the trees and before a storm when like the pressure kind of changes even now it kind of gets really quiet because the birds are kind of like alright mm -hmm. something's coming and I just imagine that it'd be so quiet because well, the birds are like no something really anywhere. bad's about yeah like like sometimes we, nothing's you know, I, moving through I know the trees a little bit like I know a little bit about aviation, so I know the aviation weather. Even if there's no wind right here on my yard, there's winds just a few yeah. thousand feet over my head. This is a time when there's no wind. Uh, when when there's nothing blowing. and it, it, So what it means is nothing is moving. It would be a little bit like stopping time because, uh, because the blowing of the winds in the skies, it's what brings the weather uh, changes and it's a constant thing. It's, it flows like a river. The winds in the skies turn around the earth. And, you know, I, I don't imagine you could really think of it this way, but it's not unrealistic to imagine that the same wind that brought us a storm two weeks ago 
uh, or, or a storm front two weeks ago has made its way around the earth and it's coming around to get us again with something new. You know, it's like if it could be like one wind. So, I mean, the earth is, is there's, there's wind moving all over the earth all the time, somewhere, even if it's completely still where you're standing. There's always wind. Yeah. And I'm just thinking how cool, how weird, how amazing. I think it'd be super eerie because, like I said, I imagine this, like, crushing silence because animals are smart and they always notice it before we do. Yeah. And I think the animals would just be hunkering down because they know something big is about to happen. And it'd be so, so silent. And I wouldn't, but, you know, I also wonder if we'd notice. (laughs) Well, (laughs) you know, maybe another way to put it, I don't know how appropriate it would be to say it this way but i wonder if uh it's really a question of would they notice and i don't mean any disrespect to suggest that somehow because i'm saved i'm better than anybody else but the one thing i'm hoping is is that because i'm saved i'm not here for this part yeah and so i just wonder if people who you know i mean like in the sermon today i we just started a new study on job and in the, in the sermon today i just said you know do you understand that there are things going on that may affect you but they're not about you <laughs> you know that there's stuff happening in the cosmos and in god's economy that is de- definitely involving our lives but at the same time it's really not about us mm-hmm. so so if there's one thing that seems to be a constant characteristic of the worldliest of the worldly people, it is a complete self-centeredness and a complete self-absorbing kind of way of looking at things. It's all about me. And so the question has to be asked, would they even notice? Well, you know, it's like, like we were wow, talking. Wow, it's kind of weird today. Well, we were, that's, we were talking What's the other day about the how like we're living in the most narcissistic generation, like the the most narcissistic generation to come up in recent history mm-hmm. is the current one. And that's not to say that, like, because I'm part of that, but that isn't to say that every single person's like that. It's just as a whole in the, at least in America, but in most of the world, the culture is extremely self-oriented. And I really do wonder, like, something that global happens, how many people notice? Because we're so absorbed in what we're doing. If it's not directly impacting you yeah do you notice well you know um uh, yeah i would i was just thinking about the part where they said they were going underground but then it it just occurred to me that um this is where this passage it just as you pointed out earlier this is where the passage is kind of a a strange interruption to what's going on because when the seals were being opened it was as though they're describing what will happen as each seal opens but then all of a sudden we're here. And, and you're not exactly sure where this falls chronologically. Yeah, it's it's almost like when the seals are opening, you're reading the chapters in the content section of a book. You, you're you about to read this book and actually watch it all unfold, and the contents tell you, well, this will happen, then mm-hmm. this will happen, then this will happen. And it's almost like when he's popping the seals off, we're getting the, the table of contents for the judgment, you know. Yeah. And, and so it doesn't necessarily mean that at this particular moment that they're already hiding underground or whatever. But I do think it's interesting the way it jumps because at the very end it says they went underground and then they were saying, like, who can stand against something like this? And then we go into this chapter that's saying these are the people that are going to be okay. Yeah. This is who can stand against it. Yeah. You know, and and this uh, this in its own way also says one of the reasons we should have respect and love for Israel 
because among Israel's people are these elect that are going to ride through the tribulation almost like beacons of light. Mm -hmm. And there are some people who, uh, and we get a little further down Revelation, it, it'll come back, okay? Uh, right now we're not there, but you'll hear about these two witnesses, the witnesses and some other stuff. And there's a reason to think that these 144,000, that doesn't necessarily refer to the number of people from Jerusalem or from Israel who are going to be saved. It's really saying these have been marked and set aside for the purpose of saving Israel. Um, and then that'll come later. Well, I don't want to say it, but now because I haven't got the scripture in front of me, but, but there's a, there's reason to think that these 144,000 are evangelists. Mm -hmm. And so they're special. All right, because they're not only going to survive this thing, but they're going to be charged with trying to help as many people get into heaven as possible, yeah. uh, in the midst of it all. So, because if you think about it, if the Christians are gone, right, and, the church is gone. <laughs> and, and I would say that this in itself is another statement that seems to indicate the church is out of the picture. Because who in, and, and it says, it's, in its own words, it says, who would be saved? Who could stand this? And then God appoints these people. So what does that suggest? It suggests that the Christians who would have been the evangelists, who would have been saying, oh boy, this is what's happening. I knew this was going to happen someday. Uh, they'd be telling you, you need to get right with God now, and but they're gone. But so, who else knows what's coming? Yeah, so who else can do it? And then he goes to Israel, and he marks these people as his new evangelists. So, in effect, these 144,000 Jews are taking over the role of the Christians. Big job. In in this, as we read this, that's basically what's happening. And they are the, they are the evangelists during the tribulation. So another reason to think the Christians are not going to be there when all this is going down. Okay, uh, we have about 10 more minutes, and we have another section of Chapter 7 to look at. You mm -hmm. want to try to tackle it, or you think we should save it for next week? Whatever you want to do. Well, let's at least read it. Okay. And you know what? I'm going to ask you to read that again, just because uh, my glasses and the angle of the screen are not cooperating very well today. Okay. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Can I just stop there and say that that makes me want to cry, because I think that would be one of the most beautiful things you ever saw. Yeah. Like, <laughs> just, I think it would be absolutely incredible to look before you and not even, like, see so many people you can't even count, and it's, it's everyone, like, it's representative of everyone in the world. Yeah. I, I just think that would be amazing. Anyway. Another indication, too, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders asked me, These in white robes, who are they and where did they come from? I answered, Sir, you know. And he said, These are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Never again will they hunger, never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. 
For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Wow. Now, when you see that up against the previous part of that chapter, Mm -hmm. it kind of makes the whole idea that the 144,000 are evangelists. Kind of makes it look like they did their job pretty well. Right. I mean, if you just assume that it says what it means and it means what it says, then you've basically seen this is God's plan for saving people after the tribulation begins. And this is proof that it worked. It's another sign to me that he doesn't, he's never, he never gives up on. Yeah. I mean, the church is already gone and yet there's a multitude that no one can count. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, happy. well, and this will take us, I mean, I, I'm hinting at something to come that might be weeks before we get to mm-hmm. it, but there's a place where we're going to hear about, uh, the, the millennial reign of Jesus and all this. And, and there's indications that, there's still not complete judgment until the end of that thousand year reign. And so someone will say, well, wait a minute, you know, I thought they were saved. And yet what it seems to indicate is is that in the world under the reign of Jesus during the millennial reign, there will be those who have the capacity for one reason or another to sin. And so they still have to face judgment. Uh, It's kind of an interesting Mm -hmm. thought. And uh, so we'll see where that takes us, you know, because it, it's definitely it definitely indicates that God isn't done with people just because he started the tribulation. Um, you know, yeah, he, it's one of the things that I love is just that even like in the midst of all the bad that you read about in Revelation, there's constantly people being saved. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. You know, I, I don't know. I thought we might spend more time on that, but I'm not <laughs> sure what else you could say. Really, this is. This is I want to see that multitude someday. Yeah. Because well, I just think it'd be amazing. And let's, let's say they are the tribulation saints that were uh, gathered by the evangelists, the 144,000. These are people who, you know, I mean, I'm trying to explain this and I'm not sure how to say it, but it's just like, wow, these are people who, who said, oh, my gosh. I need to know what's going on. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me at Pentecost when the people pleaded with the apostles and said, brothers, what do we do? Mm-hmm. You know, it suddenly dawns on them. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Uh, this is real, and I want to be in on it. What do I do? Where do I sign up? How do I do this? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, this is what it kind of reminds me of because of the way they respond to the glory of God and heaven. You know, it's like they wouldn't be responding that way. Yeah if they hadn't had an authentic conversion when they had the opportunity and this in the midst of the tribulation and we haven't really begun to talk about how horrible the tribulation is what i always think about when i read that part too is like it says every tribe every nation every color every language every people on the earth which is really crazy when you think about it because there are some tribes that we don't like there are people Mm. groups in this world that we don't know about yeah that are so isolated and every single one is going to be represented in that that's amazing yeah all right this is great stuff i i think we may have reached a good stopping point so uh any final thoughts Okay, well, friends, we really count on hearing from you. Um, it, it inspires us. It, it, it drives us. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to suggest that while we were convalescing that we were thinking, ah, nobody's missing this. But had we known 
that you were missing this it would have encouraged us to get right back to it so i guess what i'm trying to say is is we do this because we love god and we want to stick it out and see it through but it's so much more fun when we hear from you so just let us know once in a while that this is blessing you that you're hearing what we have to say as uh, something from god and uh, because we're committed to that we don't want to be all about ourselves and uh, so you know use the facebook page use uh Use the email and so forth. You can even respond by just using links that are provided automatically by the, the folks from Podbean that are carrying my podcast for me. But uh, So I'm going to say goodbye for now, and I'll give you some closing remarks in a second. And Bethany, you want to say so long or anything? So, so long. <laughs> Well, that just about does it for today's uh, podcast, and uh, I just want to say thank you so much for listening. You know, Bethany and I were just talking, and uh, she said, you know, maybe what we ought to do is ask people to to send us questions or comments, and then at the end of the Bible discussion, we could close the program with a couple of, of conversations about it. In other words, we could take a question from you that we've received through the Facebook page or email or something, and we could address it. So here's here's a possibility that, that maybe from here on out, we can have a listener mail segment at the end of the podcast to kind of wrap it up. So all that requires is listener mail. So how about it? Why don't you send us a question or a comment that you'd like us to address on the podcast and just let us know. I was hoping you would maybe talk about this on the podcast. So for now, I want to thank you for listening. It really is an honor to serve you. Uh, if you live in the area of Jasper, Indiana, uh, come to see us at uh, Shiloh United Methodist Church. You'll always be made welcome, and uh, you'll find that the congregation is just a bunch of terrific people, and there's new ones every week, and we'd like you to be one of those. And uh, if you want to be a part of the conversation and join us with these questions that we've just talked about, visit the Facebook page. I put a link right there. Uh, on this podcast tab so when you're looking at this podcast on podbean there's a link right there in the description that you can use to get to it or if you just start with facebook look for knowing god with heart and mind you'll find a closed group but all you have to do is ask to join and i will personally make you a member of that group and uh, so i guess that's all we have for now god bless you and goodbye